I have already decided that if I get too emotional during this podcast, I'm going to stop. I'm just going to stop, and it might be 38 seconds long, or it might be 30 minutes long. I'm not really sure, but I am really tired of getting emotional the last couple of weeks, so I am going to do my best not to this week on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Let's see how this goes. Are you ready? Here we go. Okay, we just got home today from driving Carson out to Boston Star College, and I've kind of had a lump in my throat a little bit here and there for the whole week, but I think I told you on the podcast last week, it really hit me when Carson and I were having a discussion about, well, this is another last time, this is another last time, and I said, you know, I was trying to give him the speech, like, you know, you're ready and blah, 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 and he said, I don't want to cry. Oh, you hear my voice crack just there? And that's when I realized I was making it too much about the sadness of a kid leaving for college and not enough about how exciting it is. And think about back when you were, or maybe you're around that age now, but let's say you're 25 years old now, or whether you're 55 years old, or it doesn't matter. When you were leaving home, you weren't so much worried about missing your parents because they'd always been there and they're your parents. But your life was what was so exciting. I'll tell you my quick story. I moved out of my mom and dad's house when I was 20, and I only moved about 10 miles away into Colorado Springs, so I wasn't that far away. And I think I still saw them once a week or every couple of weeks or something like that. And I didn't think a lot about how I missed them. I was more like, this is awesome. I've got my own apartment. I've got my own TV, I've got my own kitchen and dishwasher, I've got my own rented furniture that I paid way too much for, and uh, and it was awesome. So I didn't think about my mom and dad that much. Then when I moved away, about two years later, I moved away to Las Vegas, and I was 21 years old, not quite 22 when I moved away, which is a very young age to move away, like 600 miles away. And I remember that I didn't even really think that much about moving away from my mom and dad. I was going to miss my girlfriend, and I was going to miss my buddies, um, but I was so excited about starting this morning show job in Las Vegas all those years ago. And I left Labor Day weekend, so I left exactly this time of the year. And I didn't see my mom and dad again until Christmas. Now, that was the longest I'd ever gone without seeing them. And when I came home, my mom picked me up at the airport, and we met my dad at the Village Inn to like have dinner. And my dad, who is pretty much kind of very like, you know, not a lovey, very kind, but not a lovey kind of a person. He was full of smiles and he was so happy to see me. And I remember thinking, what are they all smiling about? It's like, God, it's not like it's been forever, but it's a different thing for the parents of the kids. And I think you'll agree with that. When you left home, think about how that went. When you left home, you were excited about your life in college, your first apartment, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, and your mom and dad were looking at it in a totally different sort of way. So I bring that up because now I kind of get how they feel. At the same time, I don't want to spend a whole, the whole podcast talking about that because I'll be honest with you. People have been so kind and so well-meaning, and I get a text message from a friend 
every couple of hours saying, how are you doing? How to go? Did you bring Kleenex? I'll bet you're crying a lot. And it's like, thank you. And I appreciate the support. And I know they mean well. But every time I'm doing okay, somebody brings it up. And I'm like, huh, just when I was doing okay. So I've been trying to stay busy. And uh, I practiced my ukulele a little while ago for like two hours, which was awesome. I love it. Um, uh, let me tell you a little bit about the trip out there. Um, uh, because that was, we just, uh, I don't want to bore you, but it was kind of a cool trip because we, um, we stopped the Christmas story house on a whim. One of our favorite family movies right behind a Christmas vacation or right behind vacation is a Christmas story. And they might even be tied for first. I'm not really sure, but we're driving through Cleveland. We had not planned on stopping at the Christmas story house. And I'm like, Geez, I wonder if the Christmas Story House is around here. I know it's around here somewhere. I Googled it, and boom, it was eight minutes away. Eight minutes away in the direction we were going, so we didn't have to get off the freeway and double back. It was on the way. So we got off, and before you know it, we're driving down the street, and at the end of the road, you could see it. Holy crap, there it is. You could recognize this house anywhere. If you've never seen a Christmas Story, let me tell you, the house is one of the stars of the movie and it's instantly recognizable because the leg lamp is in the front window and I have not smiled so big probably all year and I've had a lot of good times this year but that was I think if you would have taken my picture I had the biggest plastered on grin when I saw this house and we of course you go on a tour of it and it's totally hands-on most anything like that you go on a tour everything's behind a velvet rope and you can't touch it and everything is like don't touch and this one was like, pick it up, touch it, play with it. Get into the cupboard where Randy hid from his mom or went when he hid from his dad. Um, and and Carson got in the cupboard and we just had a great time. And the house is almost exactly the way it was in the movie. Well, remember, the movie was shot mostly on a soundstage in Toronto, but it was based on what the inside of this house looked like. So it's not exactly... And the kitchen is a lot different, and it's you know smaller, and but it was really, really cool, and uh, we just loved it. So that was kind of on, on, on a whim. Then we went on to um, um, Buffalo. Is that where we went? Yeah, we were in Buffalo the next night. I'd never seen Niagara Falls before, and I'm not going to be a Debbie Downer, but Niagara Falls was a big waterfall. It was beautiful. It was really cool, and there's a boat, just like Jim and Pam got married on in the office, made of the mist, and the made of the mist kind of crawled up to the foot of the falls, and, and it was really cool. Um, we didn't take the boat. We got out of the car. We spent probably an hour at Niagara Falls, and that was enough. It was cool, and I taught Steve. Steve's from that area of the country. He's from Rochester, which is you know within an hour or two, I think, of there, and he's like, yeah, it's a big waterfall, and I said, yeah, it was kind of just a big waterfall. Beautiful, very impressive, but will I ever go back again? I don't really think so, unless somebody that I'm with is like, hey, you know what I want to go do? I want to see Niagara Falls, and if we're within a couple of hours, I guess we'll go. Uh, then we got to Boston. Boston is a really cool city, and uh, Carson was happy to be back there, and we went to dinner. Oh, well, here's a, here's a story. I'm going to tell you this story, and I'll tell you this story on the radio, but but this is, again, this ties into the whole theme of what this podcast is all about. It's not just to hear me pontificate and tell boring stories. I try to get you stories that we can all learn something from. 
So we went to a nice steakhouse for dinner on Friday night before Carson checked in. We knew it was our last family dinner. We knew that on Saturday night he'd be out getting pizza with his roommates and he was not going to have dinner with mom and dad and Allison. My daughter Allison went along too. So we went to a nice steakhouse. It was called Eddie V's. And my wife thought it was Eddie Vedder's. And I'm like, why would it be called Eddie Vedder's? Well, she's like, it's Eddie V's. That's Eddie Vedder, right? And I said, if it was Eddie Vedder's Steakhouse, it would be called Eddie Vedder's, number one. Number two, Eddie Vedder is, I think, from Seattle, not from Boston. Okay, has nothing to do with the story. So we go in, we sit down, and we got seated at 730 Our food didn't arrive until about 9.15. That means, is that right? 7.30? No, something like that. An hour and a half to get our food. An hour and a half from the time we sat down until our food arrived. And the reason I'm even telling you the story is not to complain about that. I didn't mind that I was not going to let it ruin our dinner. This is a very special dinner. And I could have gotten irate and pissed and I could have like, you know, asked for the manager and I could have bitched and I could have made just a cast of pall over the entire dinner. But I didn't because I knew it was an important, very memorable, meaningful dinner. But I could tell the server, her name was Brittany and she was probably 24 years old. She came up to our table at first and she was very like, hi, I'm Brittany and how are you and good to see you and I can help you with this and can I get drinks? Well, she get, she she forgot to order our drinks and so we sat there for a while and then we had a reminder and then she took our order and she came by a couple of times and said, I'm sorry, the kitchen is slow, I'm sorry and then after we had gotten our food, I am making a point, sorry I'm taking so long. After we had gotten our food, we were eating. Brittany kind of staggered by a little bit and kind of looked a little bit dazed. And she walked to another table and then she turned around and she looked at me and she said, I don't even remember where I was going. And I could tell that Brittany at that point had had a really tough night. Here was Brittany who, when she first sat us down, she was very happy and energetic And a couple of hours later, she'd probably got beaten up by a couple of tables. People had bitched and moaned. Uh, Maybe the manager got on her. Maybe she saw a couple of people fighting in the kitchen. Who knows? But Brittany was beaten by about 9.30. She was just beaten. And so when she brought us our check... You know how they give you like three copies. They give you the merchant copy, the customer copy, and then some other copy that's God knows. I don't know who it's for. And I wrote on there with a pen. I said, Brittany, I can tell you're tired and frustrated, but we like you. You did a great job. So I hope your night gets better. And I tipped her double what I would normally tip somebody in that situation. We always are generous tippers because I'm just a believer in being a big tipper. Um, We always tip at least 20%, which is, you know, not big, but that's kind of standard. We tipped 40% um, because I felt so bad for her. And I thought, you know what? If this raises her spirits and brings her back for another night, it's worth it. And it meant a lot to me to be able to do something like that. So uh, two lessons from that that I can pass along to you. Number one, if you complain about a, a service at a restaurant, you're not going to enjoy the meal. If you call attention to the fact that the service is slow, 
the food got there cold, yeah, you know what? You send the food back if it's cold or if they got it wrong. But if you decide to make it miserable, there goes your fun dinner out. I was not going to screw up that dinner by complaining about it. Number two, I had a chance to hopefully cheer somebody up and let them know that, hey, I don't know you, but I care about you. And so I gave her the extra tip and a little note. If I just gave her the extra tip, it wouldn't have meant as much. She would have appreciated it, but I left a little note. And Brittany, I hope you saw it. I know you're not from the Twin Cities. You've never heard of me. You don't know that I have a podcast, and you'll never know what I was thinking with that. But I want to let you, Brittany, know that I understand when you're having a good night, a bad night. And I could have bitched, and I could have complained, and I probably would have got a free dessert, but I didn't. So there's a quick little lesson in there for us. All right. Um... What else is I going to talk about? I got a couple of emails that I wanted to pass along, um, and we talked about these last week. Uh, This is Tammy. Tammy was uh, responding to last week's podcast about the teacher that changed your life. And we talked about, you know, if you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen to about the teacher that changed your life. And school is starting this week for pretty much, I mean, anybody who hasn't started school is starting this week. So I said in the podcast, I said, I wonder if teachers pay extra attention to the kids, the students that do really well. And after a while, kind of give up on the kids that show up late, that screw around, that don't get their homework done, that come up with a million excuses. And I said, that's probably the smarter thing to do because you want to put your resources where they're doing good. Let's face it. If you're going to waste a lot of energy on a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a family member or a student that doesn't do any good, doesn't that seem like a waste of resources? But this um, email from Tammy, she disagrees. And I thought it was definitely worth reading. Here's what she said. Dave, I love listening to your podcast. I was definitely talking back to it when you were talking about teachers giving more attention to the students who are on the right track. I may be in the minority, but I put so much effort into my students who are struggling more. I know some of them don't have the best home life, so I do what I can to make school easier. My energy and attention goes into my students who are the troublemakers, unquote. Thanks for your show, Tammy. Tammy, I appreciate that. I really didn't know. I would have thought that teachers, you know, you you read these, you know, fantastic stories or you hear these stories about good news about this teacher, you know, really helped out this troublemaker student. And now the troublemaker student's going to Harvard or they're a nurse now and they're whatever. And I think that we love to hear stories like that, but we're also human And just like we tend to have a relative that we've given up on or a boyfriend that we're like so tired of his shit or a girlfriend that we're tired of her lies and we kind of give up on those people. So, Tammy, thanks for telling me your perspective. Okay, another one. This is looking for advice. And uh, um, let me find him. Here he is. My name is Jay. And I currently live in Michigan. I'm a big fan of your show and your book, and I really enjoy your content and what you stand for. Thanks for being vulnerable. Yeah, vulnerable. And sharing your experiences, good and bad, so that we may get something out of it. It takes great courage and a kind soul for someone to do what you do. I appreciate that. Okay, Jay says, I'm emailing to hear your thoughts on a situation I'm facing. I know you have faced something similar in the past. I'll try to keep things short, and they are pretty short, so it won't take me long to get through it. I have a newborn. The mom and I split up not knowing she was pregnant at the time. The pregnancy was rough for both of us because we also saw other people 
and we both knew it wouldn't work out between us. I want to be part of my child's life. However, it's going to be difficult that she'll be moving away to another state, and we don't get along well. I am wondering, Dave, how did you manage your relationship and career with the children in your life? I'm happy to hear that things eventually worked out among you, Chase and Chase's mom. Oh, that's a story. I recall you mentioning things were very tough, and you guys didn't get along in the beginning. You had to travel to see Chase, and with Beth, you grew. You mentioned she grew up without you being around much, and it seems you have made up for all those times, and everyone is getting along like a real family. How did you do it? Thank you for reading every email you get, Jay. Well, Jay, you're absolutely right. With I'm going to focus on Julie, because I will tell you this. With Beth's mom, Cricket, and that is her real name, Cricket, Cricket and I didn't really get along but Cricket never got in the way of Beth and I, ever. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I didn't see Beth from about age, probably six months, until she was about nine years old. I just didn't see her. I was young, I was stupid, I was consumed by my career and girlfriends and friends, and I was not concerned about a, a child that lives several states away. I didn't know. I didn't know Beth, and I didn't really think about her that much, to be honest with you. I remember that I loved her, but it was when she was nine years old that her mom called and said, Beth has been asking about her dad. She wants to meet you. And so long story short, we met and Beth and I were very close when she was a little girl and we're still close now because of a lot of things, but because her mother also cooperated and her mother would let Beth fly to see me and didn't try to stand between Beth and I and didn't resent the fact that I wasn't there when Beth was younger. Julie was a different story. Julie and I were crazy about each other, but I decided to not be with her. And it's kind of a long story. And she was pregnant with Chase. And uh, I left for left from Arizona to come here when she was still pregnant. And she always saw it as I ran out on her while she was pregnant, which is not the truth. Um, I didn't have a job in Phoenix, and I had to move. I had a job here, so I moved here when Julie was pregnant. We were no longer a couple. So uh, there was a lot of resentment. Um, Julie resented that I moved away, and if you asked her, she would probably maybe tell a slightly different story. But Julie made it really tough on me to see Chase when I was when Chase was little. And I think a lot of it was born out of resentment for the fact that I was not with her anymore. And not that I'm some great catch because, you know, uh, Julie was a great catch, too, for the right person. And Julie and I were a great couple together for a while. But when resentment takes its toll on a relationship with a kid, that can be very tough. This is what I would tell Jay and anybody who's listening, maybe you, about this situation or any situation. Always have right on your side. If you have right on your side by doing the right thing and never manipulating or using the kids to get to each other. A lot of parents will tell their kids, you know, well, your dad is a drunk and he doesn't enjoy having you over there as much as I'd love having you here. So, you know, maybe don't spend as much time with your dad. If you don't want to spend time with your dad, let me know and I'll tell him. Parents pull that shit all the time. And uh, I don't know exactly what all Julie said to Chase, but whatever happened, we got through it, and all these years later, Julie and I don't really talk, but we are friendly, and I texted her the other day because Chase got engaged, and I said, how does it feel that you have a son that's engaged? And she's like, great. How does it feel to have a son that's engaged too? And so we're friendly, and Chase and I 
are as close as we can possibly be, given the fact that we didn't grow. He didn't grow up in my house. Um, he grew up in his mom's house, but he came to visit a lot, and I went out there to visit a lot. So Jay, I would tell you, um, always take the high road, and and sometimes if you you know, it might be expensive to go see your child, and uh, go drive to see him, go drive to see her, and when they get a little bit older, fly them out to see you, spend time with them. Um, you don't have to do what I used to call the Disney dad where when you have visitation on the weekends or whatever, you feel like you always have to take them to the go-karts, to the batting cages, to the to the arcade, to the movies, to get pizza, to play mini golf. You don't have to do all that stuff. Just sit around and watch a movie together. Um, uh, make a pizza. Um, you don't have to spend a lot of time, uh, money. But take the high road. Always take the high road. And I will tell you this, whether it's with a child or a job or a relationship or whatever it is, if you have right on your side... That's a very powerful thing to have on your side. Um, I'll be honest with you. I don't think that a lot of the time that I did not have right on my side with Chase. I think that I always tried to do the right thing. Now, you ask Julie, you might get a different story. But I think I've proved the fact that I had right on my side by the fact that Chase and I have a really good relationship now. He got engaged over the weekend. Holy shit. The only kid I mind that I have that's, that's not in a relationship is Carson. And it'll probably happen when he's in college. Okay, we're going to wrap up the podcast. I am pretty happy that I did not cry during this podcast at all. And I'm going to end on something that's totally unrelated to your kid leaving for college or any bittersweet moments. And I'm going to read something out of the book because the book is all about life lessons um, that I've either learned personally or that I have um, learned by watching other people. Here we go, chapter number 28, and I love this one. It's one of my favorite philosophies in life ever, and I'm going to share this with you, and I hope you will think about it right now. Number 28, have something to look forward to. There are plenty of things in life to dread. Work, going to the dentist, Thanksgiving with the in-laws, and dying in a fiery laundromat accident. To counteract the dreaded things in life, it's nice to have something to look forward to, something that gets you out of bed in the morning. I try to sprinkle things into my daily life that I can look forward to. It doesn't have to be something big like a trip or buying a new car. It can be as simple as picking up an overpriced cup of coffee at Starbucks on the way to work, watching my favorite fake reality show before falling asleep, or getting a massage in that shady place near the bus station. God, I'm so clever and humorous, aren't I? Um, uh, but it's true. I always say this. you know, Have something to look forward to. Most of the time we do. I asked Allison. It's always a good conversation starter, too. Um, when we were on vacation, Allison, what are you looking forward to? And uh, she said, well, our big annual target monthly big meeting at, I think it's at target center is coming up in a couple of weeks. And that's where they have, you know, a surprise guest come in like, you know, Taylor Swift or John Mayer or freaking Oprah will show up or Brad Pitt or God knows who's going to show up. And she's looking forward to that. And I thought that's great. So let me end this podcast with the question for you. What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to right now. Um, I'm going to go have a cigar out in the garage in a little bit. As soon as I finish the podcast and put the music on there and upload it, I'm going to go have a cigar. Later this week, um, uh, I'm going to be like, I don't know, I'm probably going to play my ukulele more. I'm probably going to go for walks. I'm probably going to go ride the motorcycle. Um, I actually look forward to getting back to work on Tuesday. You know what? Stephen Fallon and Jenny have been such good friends 
through this last you know couple of weeks with Carson and been very supportive and listened and they've never been in the through the experience of sending a kid off to college but they have been the kid that is left and so they can offer that perspective anyway the book is called take a shower show up on time and don't steal anything you found the podcast so obviously you know about the book it's also available in kindle um, so you can download it um, and it makes a great gift um but especially for graduation season, which is well behind us, but maybe starting their their uh, senior year, something like that, or going off to college. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. Send an email anytime and read all the emails to Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. Uh, also, we have a Facebook page called the same title as the book. Just type in, uh, take a shower, show up on time. It'll start to fill in and you can uh, check that out, leave comments, etc. Hey, thanks for your time. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. Uh, if you want to scroll down and rate it, I guess that helps in the whole algorithm to get it in front of more people or tell somebody that you know that listens to our morning show. Hey, did you know Dave does a mediocre podcast every Sunday? Um, so I appreciate that. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. <laughs>